Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Revenge, the next person to cut me off in traffic is going to get a hot slice of foot-in-the-ass pizza. Let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by The Wobbly Elm. The bar for whether you're on the rebound or looking for a night to forget, the Wobbly Elm has a drink for you. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And we are filmmakers, as it were, who like to analyze and break apart films like the little... What's what's those little eggs that, like a Kinder egg? We we just kind of crack them open and yay! Hey, what's what's inside of this one? You never know. Little, little surprises. <laughs> <laughs> and so full of it. We I like mean to, them. Yeah, yeah, grind them up. Man, it's it. I will say like being creative, or I mean, I guess anything in life. But this is such a hard field. We have films right now. I have a film right now that I made last year that we were submitting to festivals. And this past week, my producer updated me on our two big ones that we were really hoping for, which was Tribeca and South by Southwest. And we got just big, fat, red rejection stamps in the face. Oh, man. He was much gentler in his wording, uh, but the the form replies are all the same. Like, hey, it was really hard this year. We had a record number of entries and y'all suck. Uh, I mean, that's... They, they, they <laughs> it's pretty much paraphrased. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, Lightly paraphrased. <laughs> but it's hard, man. That takes the wind out of you. I've had so many, so many more rejections than like, congratulations, welcome to our festival that no one's ever heard of. And it gets exhausting. So I'm just curious what and then i know we've talked about like the stephen king bit before which is always encouraging like he stacked up so many rejection letters back in the day when he actually got letters like he tells a story in his book on writing where he would submit to magazines and just get these rejections and there was a nail that hung above his doorway and so he would slap every rejection letter on the on the nail and he soon stacked up so many that the nail was coming out of the wall and it was falling out. And so he started to like a new stack, but I'm just curious. And which is great because eventually, you know, he wrote Carrie, which his wife picked out of the trash and said, Hey, finish this. <laughs> and, it's, and then you had Stephen King, who's now made like a novel a day for the last 150 years. <laughs> and, and so I'm curious, like, what do you have a process? I don't know. Maybe you've never dealt with rejection. Maybe you've always come up pod, but what's your method? How do you deal? I don't know what that means. I've absolutely. I mean, my whole life has been rejection. <laughs> I would say, <laughs> I think anybody who's in, in create like a, some kind of creative field or heck even, even not goes through that. Right. So you're bad until you're not. And even when you're not, not everybody knows that you're not including you. So I think that it's just part of it because nobody's on your journey. You're the only one. It's kind of, it, this is an interesting conversation because it's, it's kind of like, you should learn to love it. Learn to love the rejection because that just means, because one, you'll have a lot to love, <laughs> um, but two, you won't expect to not be rejected, right? So, and I think it's important to expect to get rejected because it just makes you work that much harder. I think in my band, we, we, we would submit to labels and management companies and you know producers to work with and and all that stuff and we i mean 98 percent of the time got rejected but that didn't mean that what we were doing that we didn't love what we were doing right 
And so, and it's the, the Stephen King story is like perfect because it wasn't just him that was rejected. It was his stories. And some of those stories are like iconic stories. Now, I think it was one of them even like, it was like a, I think the point is, is that just because somebody else doesn't see your vision doesn't mean that it's not the right one if you love it. So that's what I meant earlier by nobody's on your journey, but you, it's like, nobody cares. Nobody cares about your journey. Only you care about it. And so how much do you care about it? Do you care about it enough to not care that other people don't care? That's important. Because if you do, then you're doing it for the right reasons. And then somebody rejecting you doesn't mean shit. It just means they don't get it. Okay, fine. It doesn't even necessarily mean that you're not good at what you're doing or not good enough at what you're doing. It just means they don't see it. You know, there are plenty of musicians who... I think that that 90% of people on planet Earth would think that's terrible, but I love it. And what does that say? That doesn't say that that musician or that band is bad because I love it. It says that those people just don't get it. And that's fine. So that means maybe you're reaching out to the wrong people. Maybe it's a different person or a different type of studio or festival or whatever. Or it means that, yeah, you can do better. Either way, it should be a, a welcomed thing. And it's hard to look at something like that because you're creative and you you make something that you feel is like from the heart and important and, you know, all the things, all the things of why you make it, you've, you've felt, right? Oh, I feel this when I make this and everything. But then that's great. Then that's a win. You know, do push that as hard as you can, do what you can with that and move on to the next thing. There's always a next thing if you're a cre- if you're really a creative, if you're really like loving what you're doing, there's always something else. And it's okay to to push something really hard because you believe in it and then to do something else too, to like create something else uh, as well. I used to be really bad at that. I used to be I would write a song and I couldn't do anything else but that song. Like that song was like very important to me. It was vital that that was done well. It was recorded perfectly. It was mixed perfectly, mastered and, and like promoted, per, like all that stuff. And I think all of that is very important. And I think none of it is at the same time, because in the end, nobody gives a shit if the snare is 2B, 2DB louder, you know, or like nobody knows that but me, right? And so harping on that just doesn't matter move on to the next thing. Just keep creating because that's what it's about. And I think that a real true creatives, like, and you're a very good example of this, just keep going, you know, using the rejection, using the pass, I'll call it. Not so much rejection because who, honestly, I don't give two shits about South by Southwest. Sorry, South by. Don't care. I don't care about ACL. I don't care about any of it because in the end, that festival will pass and then it's in the past, right? So, and it doesn't matter. So what I care about is what am I doing now and what am I doing tomorrow? And so if if that comes in and I feel the need to make something, I'm going to make it. And if somebody, if I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to push it hard and I'm going to do what I can, but if it comes back from the people I'm sending it to as that's not good enough for what rejection, which a lot of 90% of the time it is, Okay, well, I've got 10 others. Now I'm going to push this one now. Oh, I'm going to push that one now. And you're just relentless about it. Relentless until, like the Stephen King way, until they can't ignore you anymore, right? You're like, fuck this damn Stephen King guy. I'm, this is the 10th 
thing I've gotten from him this week. Like, oh my God, like I can't get him off my back. Fine. Let's have a call, you know, whatever. I guess that's my little spiel there is that I've been rejected a lot at everything that I've ever done and it sucks and it's, it stings and, and everything, but it's important to recognize it and just, and live in it and then let it go because as a creative that will destroy you. It will destroy your creativity. It will destroy your passion. It will destroy your soul and your reason, your why you even do it. Like I stopped playing music for years because the rejections were destroying my why. It was like, what you know, I'm no longer doing this because I like making music and it's important to me. I'm doing it because I want other people to like it. And now I don't give two shits if anybody ever hears anything or likes anything that I do. And I really mean that. Like, I don't care. I don't care if you like it. I don't care if my wife or kids like it. Don't care. And you know, what's funny is that what turns out that the stuff that I have been writing lately, my wife and kids absolutely adore. They adore it. And which is hilarious because I never said anything about my old stuff. So that leads me to think that maybe I'm on to something. And whether that turns into anything, I, again, don't care. But I'm just doing it because I like it. So yeah, rejections suck. And you have to learn how to use them rather than let them abuse you, right? Yeah, Sorry. and I got really used to rejection as an actor because 95% oh, yeah. of what you do is rejection. Like you go in, <laughs> you pour your heart out yeah, in the audition right. room, and then no one ever even says no you you just get ghosted <laughs> a thousand times before someone... but even when you even when you book it and you're and you're taping you're getting it all wrong all the time That's until you true. get it right once <laughs> right <laughs> so it's just like constant rejection good point even when you book it you're still yeah fighting the rejection and no totally and so yeah i think you're right you do got to learn to love it or at least anticipate it and to not let it define you and say, hey, you know what? That's part of the game. It's part of the process. And yeah, you can't align all the, the tastes of everybody in the world. Everything you put in front of someone isn't going to be received well. And to a large degree, the people that we, you know, consider to be tastemakers may not really have that great of taste, you know, by our own standards anyway. So like a lot of the films we cover may not be necessarily loved by, you know, most of the, of America, right? Someone goes back in, in 2021 and rewatches that original Rocky. They're going to be like, Oh, this sucks. And meanwhile, I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, yeah. And that's just the way it goes. Yeah. So I think, I mean, there's a lot of beautiful wisdom that you just, you know, shared, especially the idea. And it's so good. No one else is on your journey except you. Like you're by yourself. And that's true of everyone to a large degree. And we're all we're all overlapping. We're all cheering each other on. But to a large degree, everyone around us is a side character in our own plot. And we're just, you know, moving forward. Yeah. As much as I root for you and as much as you root for me, in the end, we have our own things that we're doing, that we're working yeah. on. And I can only root for you and and help you as much as I can. But you know, the rejection isn't going to affect me how it's going to affect you. And my rejections aren't going to affect you like me. My journey is my own and I can't hand that off to anybody else. Not that I would necessarily want to, but, you know, I can't do that. And I think the moment that that you accept that as a fact and something that's beautiful, it's beautiful. It's your journey. It's your thing, right? Nobody else told you, Wes, watch movies and love movies because movies are very important. You discovered that. Like that was something that just like it hit you 
right? Like you, you knew about it. It was part, a big part of your life and it became bigger and bigger. It was like snowball. And now it's what you do. It's what you've done for 15, how many years now? I and mean, Oh, I mean, full time, nine acting. Yeah. 15 editing uh, another 15. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Geez. So writing 20, right. That is your journey. Also, the other thing is like, because it's your journey and you're sending it out to the world, right? Think of all the factors that come into play between you having an idea, you putting the time and effort into, into writing it, the time and effort and money into creating it and then editing it and all that stuff. And then sending it out to the world and then it meets somebody. Not only does all that stuff have to be perfect, but also the person that it meets has to be the right person at the right time in their life. It's not just about you. It's, it's them. If I'm in a bad mood and I'm someone who's reviewing films for a festival and I get a rom-com, I'm probably not going to want to say, yeah, let's, let's accept the rom-com. You know what I mean? Like it's just, but if I get some dr dramatic relationship, you know, brutal film that relates to me at that time, then you know what I'm saying? So there yeah. are an infinite amount of different things that can, that can change the outcome. And that has nothing to do with how it's good. Your film is, you know, and that's just one scenario, right? There's a, there's a million of them. So it's, it's hard to not take it personal, but I'm sure know. I'm going to find the other, you know, million. <laughs> over yeah. The next oh yeah. A couple months. So yeah. That's encouraging. And, you know, I bet that, I bet that that's, I bet that that's important though, too. I bet like as, you know, ridiculous as it might seem that like, oh, this film got in and your film didn't. And yeah. it's pretty obvious your film is better. You know, the point isn't that the point is like, OK, well, let's try to think. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't that get in? Yeah. Maybe because of this and this and this. OK, those are these are little things I'm going to change next time. Yeah. OK, now I've learned from it. Cool. Next. I think that that's important for sure. You know, you never want to make the same mistake especially a big one twice. Right. So yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, man. That yeah, sucks. No, it's it, part of the It game. really does. But like I said, yeah. we got another, I think 10 that we're submitting or so. And so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm excited to, you know, see those not accepted. <laughs> replies <laughs> too. Yeah. My, my, me, my wife has been, you know, writing and submitting to, Oof. Uh, and she's also been like, you know, trying to apply for, for jobs and stuff and, and dude, constant rejection, like all the time to the point where she's like, excited i got three rejections today i mean she's never really right, excited right, about that right. let's be honest but she has to act it yeah. you know like okay all right I adjust my cv next there we go uh, nice. so easy to say but. nice well yeah no i mean what what's your the, the the ideas that you're talking about i mean they make for a really good creed if you will oh there we go <laughs> he did it he did it spoiler alert <laughs> So, uh, yeah, following up on that beautiful segue today, we are covering Creed. If you haven't watched this film, please pause this episode and go watch it. We're going to be giving away a lot of spoilers. Tons of things. We'll, we'll talk mm -hmm. about a few things. Some of the cinematography using boxing as a camera language. Uh, we'll touch on some of the writing and story, scene pacing, some of the reaction shots, and Donnie's motivation as the ultimate plot device. And I might be playing that up a little strong in, the, in this presentation. But yeah, we'll talk about all that and other such stuff and things and stuff. So a quick synopsis of the film. The former world heavyweight champion Rocky Balboa serves as a trainer and mentor to Adonis Johnson, the son of his late friend and former rival Apollo Creed. Directed by Ryan Coogler. Screenplay by Ryan Coogler and Aaron Covington. 
Cinematography by Maurice Alberti, starring Michael B. Jordan as Adonis Creed, Sylvester Stallone as Rocky, Tessa Thompson as Bianca, Felicia Rashad as Marianne Creed, and Tony Ballou as Pretty Ricky Conlon. Is he okay? okay Bianca, it's okay. I'm cool, man. I'm cool. I'm good. You're good? I'm good. All right. Sure about that? I am. I'm He's taking a lot of punishment to both the body and the head. Left eye completely closed. Oh, stop this thing. No. Let me see the eye. Time! Doc, give him a look. Show me your eye. Show me your eye, Donuts. How many fingers? How many fingers? How many of them is? Four. And again. Two. Time in! All right, breathe through your mouth. Yeah. Deep breath, kid, deep. You are up on the cards, you're winning this. You are gonna win this, but just keep smart and keep away from me. He's going to sleep this time. He's going out this round. I should've stopped this one, you fun. I'm stopping this one now. No, okay, let me finish. I gotta prove it. Prove what? I'm not a mistake. Look at me, I never got a chance to thank Apollo for helping me out after Mickey died. But it's nothing compared to what you've done. You taught me how to fight again, and I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna fight this thing. But if I fight, I want you to fight too. I want you to go across this ring and knock that son of a bitch down. Can you do it? Say it. I'm gonna knock that son of a bitch down. I know you are. You know why? Because you're a Creed, and I love you, kid. Go get him, son. Round 12 begins. Ooh. <laughs> oh, my God. What'd you Goose think, bumps. man? Goosebumps. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's, it's so good. So good. This is the um, not the first time I've seen the film. I remember the first time I saw it. I thought it was pretty good, but I, I it was a long t it was like, you know, a long time ago and I don't know. I don't know what changed, but for some reason watching it again this time was completely just I think maybe following Rocky. Mm. You know, completely demolished. It was so good in every way. The writing was fantastic. The storyline was I mean, <laughs> like it's so it's so good. There's little pieces that emerge throughout the film, that being the main one, the main crux one that they never even hint at, right? Like obviously he's a kid who's searching, right? You yeah. you know you know that from the beginning because he's fighting as a kid and he's in juvie and and all that stuff and and you know he has this good job, he's getting promotions, but it's not enough and he's trying to make a name. So you can tell that he's searching, but you don't know why. And there's no hint that he's still lacking something even until that line. And I love that the music dies out. The crowd dies out. It's just Rocky and Creed. And he says that oh, I get I got goosebumps just then. I can't even see it. You know, we're we're doing this via Skype, so I can't even see it. But I remember it. And and then the, Rocky telling him that he loves him. I just oh, I would just almost. You're a creed and I love you. Like, man, just pulls on your heartstrings. Because especially if you've seen the others, like if you've seen the third Rocky or whatever, fourth Rocky, any of them really, you know how like bonded, you know, they yeah. get. So fantastic in every way. There were a couple of moments that I thought were like vomitous um, that I didn't like at all. And 
thought were, you know, totally useless. But overall, as a film, I mean, I love how they incorporated a lot of uh, modern music, you know, mm. modern hip hop in there and different style of shooting. Right. So they there were a couple of moments where they would put in like actual footage and stuff from other fights or like actual footage from sports center and things like that to make you feel like you're you're doing research on this fight right yeah. you're like a like you know an outsider and i loved that none of the other rockies really had that you know it felt very modern very now now right and the other rockies feel old and rocky is old so it was a very good dichotomy there giving rocky cancer brilliant touch having him want to quit because why would he why would he want to fight anymore? He doesn't need to. You know, Adrian's not here anymore. He doesn't really have, you know, he doesn't see his son at mm. all. We don't see him at all in the film. He doesn't really have anything to live for, right? So why would he fight? But having Adonis be the reason is fantastic. And and I love that Adonis is never in in the past in like other either other Rockies or other fighting movies like this, you always have this kid who's really good, but he's cocky, right? And he's just like, he doesn't work enough. And, and you know, he just expects it because he's really good. This is the opposite of that. And I love it. Adonis is like, you tell me what to do. I don't give a shit. I'll do it right now. Let's do it. And there's a couple of times where it's hard and he just doesn't get it. And they show that because you they need to show that there are he hits walls throughout his training. Obviously he's not been a fighter for very long. So especially at this level. So that's important too, but he pushes through it because of his determination. And he, there's never a moment where he's, he's like, I want to quit. Mm -hmm. And I just love that because that's what you want to see. That's what you want to see, especially someone who's going after Rocky to be his trainer. Like, okay, work yeah. your ass off, dude because <laughs> this you got you got the italian stallion in your in your corner now and this is the hardest worker in the room so uh and he does and then the dichotomy of having a a girlfriend who's who's a musician going deaf right is a totally different thing music is is a very central theme of the the film it felt felt like modern music mm. and i loved her music her music yeah. was very like strange and off the wall but beautiful and she loved it didn't give a shit if anybody else liked it but she just made it right and you know the whole conversation of that they have in the in the diner that i think on the first date where he asks her about it and she says that eventually she's going to go deaf but she's going to just going to do it until why why not why stop right she's going to do it until she can't and i think that that sp speaks to adonis so well because he's very much that same kind of attitude but it's a dichotomy of a totally different world right the musical world anyway i could i could talk forever about it but yeah it's beautiful that's such a good point though about adonis and his work ethic because he's so hungry and he's begging for like guidance and you're right like the mm -hmm. the, the the cocky upstar is usually the one who doesn't think they need it and he's on the opposite yes. end of like i'm begging for help and nobody <laughs> well come teach me how to throw a punch <laughs> but he and he doesn't want to use his dad's name right he wants to do it on his own how often do you see that in a film you know i think yeah. in real life a lot of people not everybody obviously but a lot of people would want that you yeah. know like trade like, on to make it on my name. own and yeah yeah exactly but in this in, the, in a film like you don't usually see that so no 
Really smart dynamic. Yeah, same, man. I I loved it. I didn't know really what to expect coming in the first time I watched it, but I I was already a big fan of Ryan Coogler from Fruitvale Station, and Michael B. Jordan was certainly you know on the upswing, and so I was excited to to sit and see what he crafted because conceptually I really like. You know what? I will say conceptually I was on the fence. I was like, oh, now we have a new yeah. Rocky film about. Apollo son, did Apollo have a son? Like, what's this thing? And so walking in, it I think it did have to win me over, but it did it pretty quickly because of the setup. I think that opening sequence of watching him and Juvie like brawling, you know, and then kind of getting pulled out and they establish the the setup right away so that it doesn't become this lingering question. Like they set up the scenario of, oh, this kid was had out of an affair and yet, the her you know he's being rescued by the the other woman like that's that's an incredible you know dynamic to start with and it was just like okay this is this is nothing like i expected and just every step of the way it just kept getting better and better and more compelling yeah i mean i was a big fan of this thing from the get-go i think one of the things i really liked was rocky was rocky's tricky he's a tricky character to write and I think I identify more with like Rocky from the first Rocky and the last one, one and six, who's got this more all shucks attitude and reserved. I think this felt like a Rocky that was more based on two, three and four, where he's a little bit more outgoing and a little bit more assertive. And it makes me want to go back and actually finally sit down and watch all those other Rockies just so that I can like hang out with him a little bit more because he's. And he still has those beats, those moments of showing that that other Rocky, that, you know, that quiet and uh, like he has some these a few moments of like this little self-talk. I love Rocky <laughs> talking to yeah. himself, oh, yeah. <laughs> which I usually hate out of a character. But with him, it just feels so natural and organic. And then he just he blows up at the kid and he, he's like, why did you do that? You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. It's so perfect. And it's so challenging to write an iconic character, you know, that everyone knows. And maybe you and I think Coogler grew up on Rocky films, right? Like most of, you know, people our age and he loved them. And so. That's got to be really sickeningly challenging <laughs> to sit down and say, I'm going to write my favorite character now. And it's not going to just be fanfic. It's going to be like canon now. This is canon. And I'm going to build on that. And that had to be so intimidating. But he did a great job because I think he still found some really smart, like organic things to do with Rocky as a as a character. That's still that's breaking ground, because like you said, like now we have Rocky wanting to give up because they and he had to write the perfect scenario for that. Otherwise, we're just like, that's not Rocky. Rocky doesn't quit. Rocky isn't a quitter. But now Polly's gone. Adrian's gone. Mm -hmm. His son is gone. And he's got cancer. The thing that killed his wife is about to take him. He's like, you know what? I've had a good run. I'm not going out like that. I'm just going to call it a day. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I've made my peace. And it felt right. And Adonis like had a great way to like bring him back. These dynamics yeah. are like we're in a ring and everyone's fighting and it's just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, just brilliant, brilliant writing. And I, it, it's one of those things where I walked out of the movie. I was like, why did I ever think that it was going to be anything <laughs> less than just absolutely like pitch perfect? Yeah. And, and, and two with, with Rocky, like 
as a boxer, he said, how does Rocky look at training someone else? Like that's a new wrinkle for Rocky because Rocky wasn't, yeah. a, he was never a trainer really, right? He was always, you know, the fighter. And now having to take a step back, we see that Rocky is a really smart trainer. He's like, there's things I can't do, right? And he brings in the the gang to help him with mm-hmm. the, 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 the things that he's not good at. And even whenever it comes to getting his shot, like the kid starts getting approached by, you know, these, these, these fights, Rocky doesn't tell him no. Like, I think a, a normal way to go about that is you're not ready. And he wasn't by every technical, yeah. you know, reason. There's no reason Rocky should have said, oh, yeah, you're ready. In fact, he told him, no, you're not. But I'm by your side. And yeah, screw it. Let's go. Because Rocky yeah. has a boxer understood. You can't stop someone from chasing what they want. And I'm just here to... I'm here to train you not to tell you what to do and not to do with your career and your life. Yeah. And that's a boxer mentality that I think Kugler saw Rocky and said, hey, what does he do differently than other trainers do? And that's I think that's one of them. Just letting, you know, Donnie pick his fights like that's your job. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not mine. Yeah, I I loved that. That was definitely this is a really good thing to do. Watch Rocky one and then watch Creed. Because, yeah, Kugler was brilliant in his writing here. Like, this is something, the scene with Mickey in the, from the first one with Mickey and Rock in his apartment. I won't talk about it. Go no. listen to that episode. <laughs> that scene is is directly related to the scene in the basement of, of his, of his uh, uh, restaurant when they're talking about, should I take this fight? He's like, I'll go make the call. Because he's, he's I mean, it's directly correlated with the other yeah. scenes too but i feel like right there it's like mickey should have been with him from the beginning seeing you know how good he was and and his potential and his love for it and he wasn't rocky didn't want to make that mistake he knows how important it is for someone like adonis someone who's trying to make a name for himself who is driven who will do anything who will go live with him you know like he's like all right here's your shot it's up to you it's your journey it's your life i'm just like you said, in your corner. And it was, yeah, it's just so beautiful. And I think that watching Rocky one really puts a parallel on it. And I like the way that Kugler wrote him a little bit different because he is different. He's, you know, he's old and he's slow and he's, we find out sick and whether he knew it or not. And, you know, he's jaded in a way. And the only way that Rocky could be like, not angry jaded, just, you know, that's life. Right. But that's, you know, the things that happen to you can only be life for so long until it's like, shit, it's life, you know, and a lot of life happens to Rocky. So I thought that the, the way that he wrote him was really good. Man, he's always, his character has always reminded me of my dad so much because he's just so loving and, you know, playful as a, as a younger person. But then he gets older and he's less playful just because he can't be, but he's more playful with his words than he is with his body, right? So his words get, stay playful, but he'll snap at you. You know, if you get, if you do something bad or wrong or against or whatever, he'll snap and then he'll apologize. And it's, it's just very much like my dad. So I've just, the whole time I'm like, oh my God, I just love this guy so much. I love Sylvester Stallone. So thank you for giving us Rocky, right? But I thought Kugler did a good job of that writing too. So. What did you think of the montages? There was like two or three, depending on how you count it, like a lot of montages. And I'm just curious, like... Which ones were... Remind me. So the the 
first one is when he Rocky kind of uh, takes him under his wing and he's the, I think the first scene is you want me to do what? Oh. And it's like, you're going to catch a chicken <laughs> and he does it like he there's no hesitation. That's again, that's the great thing about Donnie as a character is he does what he's what's asked of him every time, every time. And so, yeah, he's chasing chickens and then, you know, running and kind of getting stronger for the Sperino fight. And then the second one is where he's training for, you know, the big, big fight that, yeah, is coming with Ricky. He's pretty Ricky. Okay. So are you talking about the montages when they're there? He's working out and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. The kind of classic, okay. you know, workout montage. Yeah. Sorry. For some reason, I thought you said monologue. Oh, <laughs> I did was speaking of monologue. There's, I don't remember a whole lot of them, but I did like, you know, when Rocky first accepts the role of training him and pulls him aside in the gym and basically like, like just tells him this is how it's going to be and you do it or not. And he's like, let's go right now. I liked that. But the montages, I'm not a fan of montages. I don't like them. I never really have. There are a couple it throughout, you know, that uh, the history of montages that I, that I have liked, but in this case, the chicken one was endearing because Rocky said at the end when he kissed the chicken, he's like, I guess these chickens are slowing down these days or something. The chickens are getting slower or something, <laughs> which, I, which I thought was so hilarious because he spent so much time trying to catch a damn chicken earlier in, in his career. So that was very lovable, you know, in my heart. The whole motorcycle thing, that was one of the things that completely destroyed the moment for me. Mm. When, they were in, when he was running... He was like calling them to him to run down the street and then they were circling around him and he was yelling to rock in the window. I mean, they hung there so long. Yeah. I'm like, my God. Okay, do it. Yell to rock. He comes out. Oh, yeah, we're going to kick his ass and then cut. Like they held there for it felt like a minute. And I was just like, my God, man. Yeah, that was brutal and awkward. It was very awkward because he kept yelling the same thing over and over again. So I did not like that at all. You know, you got to see a montage at some point in something like this because you got to span time mm -hmm. and span the effort. So we have to see the effort over the given amount of time. In this case, I think it was like six weeks or something. And so montage is the easiest way to do it. And it lifts you up to show all the effort that's given and how he's hitting walls and breaking through them and, and trying new things and messing up and then getting, you know, better at it and all that stuff. I thought that they interspersed them very well. I will say that. And they weren't super long. Mm. So that was good. It was like we would get in and do it. And right when I would feel like, okay, but let's get back to the movie. It kind of, it would. So that felt good, but it wasn't anything that like really jumped out at yeah. me, except for that moment. That moment I was like, my God, didn't like it. I would say I mostly agree. Like I generally loved all the montages. They're efficient. They're fun. You know, you get to see, like you said, progression, passage of time that all works and i completely agree about that because up until that moment of that montage that second montage is Sperino, right we're watching him do his thing and i was even okay with i actually really like the, the the inclusion of like the motorcycles and the atvs just because i know that's a real east coast thing baltimore is like really big on that too but it was a it was just a cheesy you know run finish and i felt like this is Coogler's throwback. I'm going to really throw it back to the, the hardcore Rocky fans. And we're just going to sit on this moment. And I would agree. Like, I think we just sat too long. Like it, it just didn't feel, it felt, it was awkward. Like we're shadow boxing while bikers are circling them. And it's just a little much. Whereas what's funny is 
in the trailer, I distinctly remember the trailer capturing it even better because in the trailer, you can tell, you know, this is all shot in like, I don't know, 60, 120, 120 frames a second, something like that. They're shooting it in slow-mo, but in the in the film, they play it back at 24 frames. And so it's got this really action-y, choppy effect, which plays, you know, fine enough. But what they used in the trailer was a slow-mo shot. And so of him running up the street when he lets out that yell, that's done in slow-mo oh, in yeah. the trailer. And it's beautiful. And it's like, it gives me chills, like, you know, even thinking yeah. about it. Because it's this perfect punctuation mark on the montage. And instead of ending it like they did in the trailer they play that back in real time and then let a, let that moment play out with the the circle you know bikers circling and yeah it just doesn't it doesn't fit and it does feel a little exasperated and i remember that moment in the trailer right that you're talking about it's, yeah i remember it, it hits man it was slow-mo wasn't it yeah wow i didn't notice that man i was i remember watching yeah. this in the theater and saying oh that's interesting they're they're playing they're not going with the slow-mo of this shot they're going you know full and then then the moment after I was like, Oh, Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are we doing? And I get, I get the whole, you know, cause, cause the, the priest used to bless Rocky before his fights, you know, he would go and from the window. Huh. So I get that kind of hearkening thing back. Cause Rocky would go, he'd say, you know, father, you, you bless, bless me, you know, for my, my fight or whatever. And he'd bless him. And then he'd go off and he'd do his run or whatever, but he'd always do it from a window. So that was, that was the whole he was playing on that i didn't know that so i get that totally get it totally get it just don't do it so long (laughs) and and the the shot of him running and the 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 bikes going past him we're we're looking at his back and he's running away from the camera and the the bikes and the four-wheelers are going past him that's a beautiful shot i love it then they cut back to his face right and they're Mm -hmm. coming this way towards the camera beautiful again even him yelling to rock and rocks coming to the window he's sick he can't come down there he can't train with him you know like beautiful beautiful moment just man get out of it yeah you gotta give it it. to us and get out of it i think that if if we were going to try to keep that scene intact largely i think you would have to kill that whole window section and have rocky come out and like bring the mitts out or something have him finish that run with him actually interacting with rock but then you yeah. do kill that whole, you know, callback that you're talking about with the priest. I don't know. Yeah. I think the smarter way is. I'm f- I mean, I'm. Yeah. I'm fine with it being in there. Yeah. I just <laughs> you thought it hung too long. Yeah. yeah. And the, and them circling him. I just. That felt yeah. very staged. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, we're, I think we're beating a, a horse here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, totally. Totally. Because this that, is one moment like, out of like a two hour plus movie. And right exactly and i completely <laughs> forgive it yeah totally 100 percent. you know yeah even in the moment i'm like yeah okay guys i'm ready for what comes next and then i'm right back in it it, it doesn't really cost right. me anything but speaking of like you know the, the circling and all that cinematography i thought was really really smart and just beautiful i thought com- coming in that rachel morrison shot this because she usually shoots kugler's films and i was surprised to find out that she did not and probably i'm assuming she was probably shooting dope at the time i want to say these came Mm. out relatively close to each other and so maybe she was already committed to that but this was still shot you know really wonderfully to me i'd always rather have rachel morrison that's no slant against maurice Uh (laughs) maris uh however you are i apologize for as we use maurice butchering your name but 
the the camera language is really great regardless uh, a lot of tracking shots behind adonis that feel like we're walking into a ring right like when he exits his apartment to beat on bianca's door for the first time we kind of exit with him or there's all these yeah. circling shots like we're like we're in the ring with him like the locker room when he's warming up and before the the big fight at the end like we're just circling 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 as he's working the mitts and then as he's having this conversation with rocky and like it's just constant like drawing on the 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 body language of being a boxer and being in the ring and inserting that you know very literally into non-boxing moments that make you feel like yeah we're always in a fight and there's this great one or uh i was on i'm on the fence with it the spirino fight is this one big long take right where we start in the middle yeah. of the ring right before the fighters enter to touch the gloves and then the rest of that fight sequence is is a winner and i remember the first time i watched it i was a little disappointed i was like y'all did not like perfectly execute it, it just felt a little forced in, in points. And so coming in this time, I was expecting to just kind of groan through it. And I was like, I, was was that the winner? Because that, that actually looked pretty good. And so I, I think <laughs> it aged much better than, than it did in my memory. I think I was just a little too tuned in that first time watching it and not expecting it. It just popped up. And I, you know, as we do, you're just zeroed in on every little detail, your, your first watch. And so I thought it was really good. I mean, it worked. It kept me glued in. And I thought, you know, all the, the fight sequences, you could tell, you know, they're definitely playing into it. But I, I think it worked. You know, they they kept the depth of field really deep to make pulling focus a lot easier. I loved all the, the interactions, especially after he knocks him down. And Donnie starts yelling to, to Rock, we got one, Rock. He's like, he's still counting over there, bro. And he's like, yeah. nah, nah, he's not getting <laughs> like, up. It's not over. Yeah. yeah, It was so good. And then I love whenever uh, the fight's over and they call it Bianca's reaction when she gets in the ring and she like shoves on. She's so oh, yeah. like whatever wound up and it's so good she's beaming right this big i didn't know you could throw like that uh it's just she i think her performance is maybe the best thing in that whole sequence like her genuine excitement and i don't know if there was something going on on set that day that brought out a little extra like brightness out of her or, or you know she's just always amazing but i just loved her performance and then i <laughs> i love what is it i think it's donnie he starts yelling to rocky he's like let's go paint the city and oh uh, my god <laughs> we yeah. cut to them crashed on the couch eating ice cream <laughs> <laughs> he's like all right let's go <laughs> nothing yeah oh it's, so perfect it's perfect it's adorable it's like that's that's yeah. really what i want i didn't want to see them party i wanted to see them you know be old people because i'm sure yeah. after a fight you're just done <laughs> and so that was oh, yeah i thought that was beautiful as far as story and writing the pacing i was i don't know what it is right now i'm just really watching pacing and scenes and Coogler does a great, great masterful job of, of pacing throughout the film. And even like the transitioning of moments, I love how he, he paces that. They're simple and subtle in order to not rush a scene and give it breath. So all these things that are happening feel organic and, and naturalistic. And that's ultimately what you're aiming for. And I think a lot of the amateur productions, what they'll do is not realize you, you it's okay to take your time. It's okay to have a beat to create this new moment. And if you don't understand your writing or or the, the screenwriter and where those transitions are, you don't understand where you need to insert these moments and these beats and these pauses in order to let a moment have a breath because you can't transition. Like he's waiting for his mom at the stairs, you know, towards the beginning as he's about to leave. 
and we wait several beats before she enters. We're just sitting there. Whereas you could have started that scene with her just entering. Like we're there and she walks through the door. It feels, it starts to feel a little rushed and it's like, okay, that where are we at? And if you just give us a little bit of time to think through what's he doing? Oh, he's, he's intentionally here. He's waiting for her. Oh, he just heard her. He like looks up and he's like, okay, I can hear footsteps. And now we're anticipating with him. Now we're with him instead of like being thrown into the scene we're prepared for it. And I think that also goes hand in hand with the boxing language. Like when things happen in boxing, you, they don't just come out of nowhere. Like a punch doesn't really ever come out of nowhere. It comes because of something else that's happening within the ring. These are all things that are tied together. And if you don't let these moments breathe, then we don't feel those connections quite as well. Nothing, the world does makes a little less sense. Like we would have understood that scene, but it would have felt a little less it would have felt more chaotic and less sensical. Similarly, and maybe the first one that really drew my attention was in the conversation on their first not date at the Philly cheesesteak restaurant with Bianca. He asked her if he can ask about something sensitive. They're in this middle of this conversation. Now, he could have just jumped from, yeah, what's a John? Yeah, what's going on with your ears? Like that that could have played. I'm sure there's a world where that that plays really well. But that also doesn't feel right for his character and doesn't seem like that's the way you want to talk to someone you're trying to uh, win over. And so I love he asks, you know, can I ask you something sensitive? And she's like, yeah. And then we just hang out for a second and he doesn't even talk. He just taps his ear. He's like, and that's just kind of a, a signal that, hey, this is what I'm asking about. You can either address it or not address it. That's that's up to you, but it's out there. And of course, like you noted earlier, she has no problem. Like she's going to talk about it and it's a part of her motivation. It's part of her drive. And similarly with her, I love the development of their first kiss right there on the floor, right? He looks over and he pecks her on the cheek and they just really sit on that and let her react to it. And it's so slow and she just kind of works through it and he doesn't rush it and he just waits until she finally like reciprocates. And it's just a beautiful, simple moment that just shows, yeah, we're going to let the, the relationship grow on its own. We're not going to rush through anything. And another little moment, and I was just kind of picking up on all these little beats before the, the scenes. Like we're going to enter a scene before the scene actually starts, which is atypical. Normally, you know, you want to start a scene in as deep as you can. But here they let us see the moments before the scene begins. But when the scene starts, it starts like they don't waste any time getting to the meat of the scene. And so it's a very smart, delicate writing job that he's doing. And so with Rocky, we're sitting right before he gets to the cancer news, we're sitting with him and he's just bouncing a ball. <laughs> he's bouncing a ball. Then the doc enters and drops the bomb. Like it's very fast once we're in it. And with the the fighter, the the or not the fighter, the rapper, that scene after, you know, the cancer news breaks and Donnie finds out and he goes to the concert to see Bianca. That whole sequence with the fighter is just a slow boil. And then once it hits, it's like the kettle just blew because he's got a button. And that comes back and we'll, we'll try to include this in, in his ultimate uh, motivation. But that's a part that as we begin to realize, like there is something going on between him and his dad. And this is one of those signals because this guy just compares him to his dad and puts his dad down effectively. And he's like, nope, this is... This is all I can handle today. <laughs> like Rocky's got cancer. He's not going to fight. I'm going to fight you. And that's how this is going down. And then the slow-mo knockdown at the very end. 
God, what a great emotional sequence and excellent, excellent use of silence because they show us the big moments, right? These little flashbacks as he's asleep, he's out. And we're, we're witnessing him in slow-mo. We're watching uh, Conlon and, you know, regular action. He's celebrating his victory already. And they, 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 they let us project the emotion. We never hear a word. Beautiful. Like, that's so much patience and understanding. And I love silence when used properly. I think the worst time to use silence is at the beginning of a film. That's that's dangerous. You have, a, especially in a theater, you're going to have a rowdy crowd and no one's really paying attention yet. People are still getting situated. They're not sucked into the story. But at the end of a film, I think people are invested and they're waiting. They're, you can hear the pin drop finally. And so the, the timing of using silence, I thought was just beautiful and brilliant and genius filmmaking. I mean, I think Kugler, I, I don't think we've seen Kugler's best yet. You know, let that sink in. He's still got amazing mm -hmm. shit to do. And so, yeah, that's a scene I'll probably study a little bit more as, as time goes by just for the emotion of it. Yeah. I don't really think anything really happens in those flashbacks, right? We're just kind of sitting. When when he gets knocked down and then has those flashbacks and come pops back up. Yeah. Like what is there really you know his dad is there. Don't we see him with Bianca at one point? Yeah, we see him and um, Bianca. We see him and Rocky just, and it ends on his dad and that's when like he just Yeah. Yeah. Like a man possessed, I think uh Kellerman said, which I love Max Kellerman. But yeah, I mean, just a beautiful sequence. And I don't feel like there's, it's all us projecting because we never hear anything. We never, I don't think we really see anything before the emotions started kind of building, like get up, get up. And yeah, just wonderfully done, which kind of comes down to reaction shots. I think the reaction shots really tell the story of this film and they do so much. The reaction shots can create tension on themselves. Like, there's this little moment that I really love in the locker room before the Sperino fight where we see the cut man setting up his gear, right? He's, he's got this little dedicated oh wristband gosh. and he's inserting yeah. these tools and he's prepping gel and whatever else. And, and we're watching him do that. And then we cut to Bianca and she's reacting to that. And it's like this, we start identifying with her. Like, this is a violent sport. This guy is already prepared for violence. That's what he's here for. And so as the girlfriend, that's the perfect person to cut to. I mean, we could cut to Rocky, but that's old hat to him, right? Cut me, Mick. Like this is, that's, yeah. but to see a musician who's not used to this kind of violence. And then on top of that, it's his girlfriend who has a vested interest in his safety. Like, yeah, that's the perfect person to see. Oh, wow. And then even later in the film, during the, the the final fight, like seeing Bianca and Marianne and even hearing Rocky and they're all yelling. And we cut a few times, like initially we see the the kind of winces from Bianca and Marianne to let us know in that first round, things are not going the way we, we were hoping. <laughs> and then we're hearing Rocky yelling. And then as the film progresses towards the end, like we're hearing them yell again. And I love it because it creates tension and fear when they're drowned out. Like we can, we see and can kind of hear them yelling, but they're kind of drowned out and it's kind of frantic and it's creating, we're identifying with their anxiety. Like their reaction to what's happening is kind of informing us of how bad things are. And that gives us a, a lifeline to the rest of humanity to say, oh, no, 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 no. This isn't going the way, we, the way it should. Whereas if we just stayed in the ring with Adonis the whole time, I think 
we're just kind of waiting on him to to you know land his punch and to to get back into it whereas if we see the the fear in everyone else's eyes is suddenly like oh this may not go the way we want and now we have this beautiful like tension that's set up for that perfect final sequence but a lot of this movie is is built off of reactions because it's like a fight life is throwing a lot of punches how rocky reacts to getting cancer is a punch to john to donnie and then how donnie reacts you know to that to how rocky reacts is by punching the rapper and then of course bianca reacts to that by shutting out donnie like it becomes this really bad loop of people you know dominoes kind of falling and reacting to one another and then even Sperino, he feels spited that Rocky's training Adonis and not giving his boy any attention. That becomes a whole thing, right? It's never stated, but we see how excited he is to introduce his son to Rocky. And then we see his reaction to seeing that actually he's there to train Adonis, this nobody kid that's never had a trainer. And then, of course, this leads, this, this isn't built out of nothing and it's not there for nothing because it ultimately leads to revealing Adonis's true last name. Because we find out that Sperino knows and Rocky's like, hey, keep this, keep this quiet. And <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I, I agree with Sperino, you know, on this. If my son gets knocked out by some no name, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. But if my son gets knocked out by a creed, OK, now my son's in the spotlight and I can redeem this loss. And boxing a loss is detrimental to your career. You better be already, you know, a title champion before you get that loss or else you're never going to get a chance at a title like that's it's so important keeping that OO in, in your record. And so Sperino understands the value of name, the same reason that Conlon's guy in his corner wanted him to use the Creed names like we can't get paid if Creed isn't in the ring. And so right. who you are matters a lot. And who is he? And so this gets into Donnie's motivation. So we meet him in juvie. He's rescued by Marianne, and that's when he finds out that he's a, that he's a Creed, who his dad is. And so fighting was already in his blood. We meet him before he knew who he was. And I think that's important to understand. He is a fighter. That's in his DNA, you know, and then finding out Creed, you know, Apollo was his dad, I'm sure just <laughs> lights a fire that nothing else is going to do. And so, like you said earlier, Adonis quits his job. He just got a promotion, but that's not the life he needs. And so this kind of opens a question. If he's not fighting for his life, then why fight, right? He lies to his mom about quitting. And that's of course, great to set up tension that she does not approve that he's taking big risk in order to do this. And he fights alone, right? The Tawana fight, there's this opening scene where he's sharing a locker room with his opponent. Like he's watching his opponent get wrapped up by his coach. But we see Adonis has no one wrapping his hands like he's by himself. And then, of course, he gets turned down in his dad's boxing gym. The first person he goes to is his own dad's gym and he and he can't get any help there. The guy just like mocks him, basically throws him in the ring with the number two contender and without really any conscience like, okay. which and then he heads, you know, of course, because of that, he heads down to Philly. He's like, if no one's going to train me out here. I'm going to Philly. And what kind of amused me about this, and this is absolutely apropos of nothing, but this is kind of an inverted Fresh Prince of Bel-Air because Fresh Prince moved from Philly to LA to be with a rich family. Now you have this rich kid who's moving to Philly to be with a poor family. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's kind of fun. But (laughs) Spirino, 
shrugs him off, right? He gets to uh, mix. I love that they included mixed gym and it's been spruced up and revitalized. And I love yeah. that they included it. But Sperino shrugs him off. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll show you whenever I have a minute, like a couple things, drills, whatever. But you're on your own, basically. And even Rocky questions why he's doing what he's doing. But he works with him anyway. And so they save the real motivation for the final round of the fight, which, of course, is he just feels like a mistake and that he is fighting for his life. He's just not fighting for his livelihood. That's the difference between him and all these other boxers. They're fighting because they need it to, to make money. He's doing it because he needs a reason to live and to understand his existence. His reason for existence uh, is, is much bigger in understanding his place in the world and in his dad's world. And it's just this wonderfully executed moment. I didn't expect, maybe you, you saw this coming, this loop of if I'm going to fight, you're going to fight too. Like they start that, of course, with Creed, uh, uh, Donnie telling Rocky that, you know, like, hey, you're going to get treated. Did you see that coming? Like uh, this is going to come back uh, in a loop or did you just, you know, say, oh, yeah, that makes sense when it happens. Yeah. No, I saw it coming. Yeah. Okay. For sure. They call For me sure. by surprise. Yeah, he's not going to let Rocky. <laughs> yeah. No, the, Adonis is not a quitter. Yeah. And then he's any state right at least not at this point in his life right he hasn't yeah. been beat down like rocky's been beat down so i think you know I, whereas i saw i understood rocky's decision to just let it be yeah. i also saw adonis saying absolutely not you're gonna fight this yeah right well i mean did you think rocky was gonna throw that back to him whenever you're hearing that the first time i'm wondering if you saw the loop coming ahead of time of Adonis throwing this at Rocky and then Rocky throwing it back at him at the end. Oh, no. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying at the, at the end. No, yeah. absolutely did not. No, it was nice. Yeah, I it was, was like, like the final, oh. it's like the final Rocky's final punch there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I was like, Oh, that's a, that's an unexpected, you know, loop. And then, you know, cue the Rocky theme. I, that might be the only time we hear that specific theme. There's the other like interlude kind of thing that they, the piano sequence that they played throughout the film, which I love, like that's a good Rocky sprinkling. Then Adonis pops into frame, you know, bump, 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 bump. and it's so good. And so throughout the movie, we kind of accept his need to fight basically through his passion. We understand and identify with passion. Like he loves this thing. And so we identify through his passion and how he isn't just trying to live off his dad's name out of pride. Like we know, okay, this is a self-made man thing. Like, especially if you're a guy watching this, like this is something that I feel like we're constantly kicking each other with growing up is, you know, have some pride and, and do it on your own kind of stuff. And so we're, we're kind of watching him through that lens of, yeah, we respect you. You're trying to do it on your own because Rocky even respects that, right? He's not trying to live off his dad's name. But then what we discover is his pride was really just masking his vulnerability of feeling abandoned and disconnected from his heritage. Like that's such a wonderfully complex character dynamic that finds its way at the pinnacle, at the most crucial point in the film. And that's so tough to do in a boxing movie to find what's the heart of this drama and how can we bring it at the most pinnacle, pivotal moment of the fight? Like how can we create the drama that we can summarize in a, in a sentence that suddenly clarifies the entire movie? Holy shit. That's mm -hmm. so incredibly hard to work your way through. Like that's if you've never tried to write something like that, I, maybe you don't appreciate it. But if you once you kind of realize what he was doing, Krugler was doing throughout this entire movie 
to have that moment crystallized in a sentence and to be his reason for fighting and for getting back in and like giving it his all and accomplishing something like that's just really next level filmmaking. And I, my hat's off to Kugler and Aaron Covington for sure. Yeah. So I don't know. That's, that's kind of all I have for that. I mean, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a little bit stuff. No, No, it's, it's, it's absolutely inspiring. It's, it's just fantastic. I feel like it took the, the whole boxing movie genre and, and took it up uh, another level. Right. Because so Rocky one is about boxing, but it's not about boxing at all. This movie is kind of like in in between you have movies that are about boxing only really about boxing but not really and i feel like this is like right in the middle there's plenty of boxing in it there's plenty of boxing in it and i love it but there's so much around it that means that basically it's like if you took out some of the boxing it would still be very interesting and would still be a great film or if you took out some of the story it would still be very interesting because the boxing is fantastic in it i, I thought yeah gruesome and 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 beautiful that clip you played was so amazing i just love it because it's a little insight into something that might possibly be something that they do right like if in in a normal fight that nobody would know right they just give you this little bitty nugget of something like a little bit of inside that that could possibly be something that actually happens it's just it's a beautiful moment that they're in they're in his corner no matter what and there's one other moment where and and i forgive me because i forget i don't have it in front of me but where in that scene where Rocky says, I should have thrown in the towel, I'm throwing mm. in the towel now. And, and and Adonis says, no, you know, don't do it, whatever. But when Adonis gets knocked down at the at, towards the end, right? And he and he has the whole, you know, he's he's knocked out, essentially. Yeah. I think that from what I remember, before or maybe even during we're seeing all the flashbacks, you're he, you hear you hear Rocky's telling him to get up. Whereas, you know, in other in other movies, you might hear them saying, you know, you'd hear Mick saying, stay down, stay down, you know, trying to protect him. But Rocky understands better than anybody on the planet, Adonis and his what drives him. And he's he tells him, no, okay, you made this decision. Make it again. Get up. And what has he been telling his son throughout the other movies and all the other, you know, the other kids that he's trained and. And anybody else that would listen, nobody's going to hit as hard as life. It's about how hard you get hit and, and getting back up. Like it's the whole purpose of Rocky and him telling him to get up during that instead of to stay down. It was like, uh, it was just, it was a beautiful moment that I noticed and they thought about this. Yeah. What would Rocky say? That's such a great point. My God, that's such a good point because I think you're right. You know, a lot of other people would be like, you know, wake up. <laughs> like if, if anything, yeah. like just, just wake up or they're in the ring already. They're just, they're calling it right. Rocky right. could have called it. He could have gotten the ring. Right. And to your point, mm-hmm. he didn't, he says, get your ass up. I love yeah. that. And also to your point. Yeah. I think this is a pretty pure boxing film. Um, you know, it contrasts and we'll certainly get into the, the finer points of this in a future Patreon episode, bonus episode. This is a, pretty close to a pure boxing film you know there is some light drama between him and bianca him and his mom and even him and rocky right with the with the cancer sequence but all of it still very tightly revolves around boxing and i don't know what other film i would put ahead of this in terms of it's more focused on boxing like 
I could see this being on par with the million dollar baby. Like there's more than uh, I watch a lot of boxing films. This might be my favorite sports category of film. Um, Southpaw and certainly more than Cinderella Man. I think this is just a very pure boxing film. And you're right. All the drama is perfect. It fits, but largely we're hanging around. And it, the technique I thought was really good. Like the shadow boxing is fantastic. You know, he's really working it. He's really working the speed bag. He's really working the mitts. Those combinations are like badass. Yeah, no, the, I I love watching them box in this because I take them seriously. And, and it's perfect too, because we get into that final fight and it's a great mixture of great technique and like fervent chaos. Like we're letting it down a little bit because either we're tired or we're pissed off. And, you know, he got me, now it's my turn to get him. And when you do that, when you move and you rush, like your, your guard's going to slip a little bit and technique is going to fall a little bit to the wayside. That stuff happens in regular boxing. Like I was absolutely just floored with how good the technique in this movie from a, I'm very passively novice. Maybe, you know, the, the Freddie Roaches of the world are out there saying, ah, oh, y'all could do better. But for a <laughs> passive fan like me, like I was thrilled for sure with the, with the level of technique and it felt it crossed touched just enough Rocky territory while still keeping our feet rooted in boxing territory. Yeah, totally. One thing about all Rocky films, except for maybe the first one, because there's very little fighting in the first one <laughs> and there's almost no sound in the, the beginning fight which is very interesting. Yeah. Go back and watch that. <laughs> no sound. It's weird. Even when they're landing punches. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Almost nothing. Right. <laughs> but in a real boxing match, very rarely do, do hits land the way that they do, yeah. you know, but let's, this is an entertainment. This is a piece of entertainment too. And watching everybody block every punch, except for maybe like three or four. And the fourth one knocks them down is much less exciting and entertaining it's it's boring really if you're trying to push a story along and and the have the feeling of my guy is losing because a lot of times boxing is about points and mm -hmm. you know whereas you know i kind of block it but i don't really well that's not that's a it's not an call. obvious point yeah yeah it's not an obvious point to somebody who doesn't know what they're looking at yeah. so let's make it a no-brainer oh adonis gets hit okay he got he does that and most boxers are like you know they have their fists up up here protecting and a lot of times in these films that i mean rocky never he like never protects himself ever ever in any movie but i don't care yeah. i don't care i love it because it tells me if he's losing or if he's winning yeah his reaction to getting hit the music along with him getting hit the sound right? Like what he does in reaction to it. Like it's just, you know, it's necessary, even though it's not totally real, but I felt like the way the punches were thrown, the reactions, the progressions that they were doing. I mean, I'm not a boxer, but it felt very, very legit to me too. Totally. So. Nice. My last comment, like I'm excited. There's a third Creed coming out and it's going to be directed, I think, by Michael B. Jordan himself. Oh, I heard about that. That's super exciting. I That's awesome. I'm always rooting for actors to get behind and not just because that's me, but <laughs> I'm always rooting for actors to get behind the camera and direct. Like a lot of times, not always, it, it doesn't always work. Not every actor is, a, is necessarily a good actor, understands why their acting is good or whatever. But a lot of actors I find just 
have a much more emotional grasp of what makes performance work. And whenever you take that behind the camera to tell a story, you start to connect with the human element of the story instead of just, you know, explosions and good fight sequences and choreography. So I'm hoping a lot, you know, for for Michael B. Jordan to, to be a success. Um, I'm really excited because I I'll say I wasn't a big fan of Creed 2. I saw that and it did not work for me at all. And I'll save mm-hmm. all that commentary. But and so did Coogler write that one too? No, I don't think he did. Okay. I think, you know, they obviously used a lot of his characters, but that's about the extent yeah. of it. And so that, I guess that made me feel better. But I'm excited to see that story continue regardless. I'll, Definitely. I'll, I'll be lining up to see Creed and hopefully in theaters <laughs> if oh, we still man. have them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Getting antsy. Getting antsy. What a. Uh, Anyway, so what are you going to recommend this week? So I'm going to stick with the Stallone train here. Tango and cash. No, what do you got? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Cliffhanger. No. <laughs> now I'm going to go with Rambo 4, just Ooh. called Rambo. It And I cannot believe it came out in 2008. I feel like that was, I feel like it, maybe it came out five years ago, but, wow. I, and this is not the first Rambo, which is first blood. In 1982, this is not the last one, which is Last Blood, which is 2019. This is the fourth one, 2008. So he's he's an older guy. And I thought that they just, I was very surprised when I saw it. Because he says very little, never takes his shirt off. It's very unassuming, the the film. I love the way that he is in it. Uh, He plays it really well. It's just really surprisingly good. And Sylvester Stallone directed it too. Nice. Yeah. Very nicely done. Mm-hmm. I am going to jump the the rail altogether and recommend a new movie that's out right now called The Mauritanian or Mauritanian, uh, depending on how you pronounce that. It's a pretty good movie. I will say there's two levels of looking at this. One of them is as a movie in and of itself, pretty good. But it's very much based on a real story, a very true story. And I think it's told pretty faithfully. And it's about a, a, a Mauritanian man who is taken by our government and tortured for basically 14 years and into because they they believed we believed us imperialists that he was a part of the 9-11 plot. And so he had some incidental ties with a couple of people that were involved with Al Qaeda. And so he got kidnapped by us and tortured. And it's just a brutal, heartbreaking film that I think is important. There are a few things in this world right now that get me more riled up than our foreign policy and how we treat the rest of the world. I I would say that's my number one thing. I would do literally anything if I thought, you know, I could make a difference in, in that world. And hopefully someday I'll be able to, you know, contribute something. But the Mauritanian, absolutely worthwhile. Uh, it's based on this guy's memoir, which I think just came out. And so I plan to read that as well. But 14 years, this guy was held. He was taken and held despite no evidence. And so it's about his trial, him going to trial and effectively being proven innocent. And it, and what I love about it is, is the approach is so well laid out. It's so well directed because it's it would be easy to sit there and, and watch the story from the perspective of, yeah, he's innocent. Obviously he's innocent. He's done nothing wrong. Instead, they kind of, approach it from the point of view of his attorneys who don't know as an attorney you never know if your client is innocent or guilty all you can do is you know afford them the right to their rights 
and Jodie Foster does a fantastic job. Shailene Woodley is great. And, and so it's, it's compelling for sure. Is it streaming? Yeah, you, it's, it's a very expensive rental. It's like 20 bucks. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's, Oh, gotcha. It's like one of those you know, theater. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it, okay. It's a, it lives in the gap of our cinema chaos right now. And oh so, man. Yeah. Big gap. And so, yeah, I highly recommend it. I think it's worth being aware about and, you know, using that as information about things you find important with your, you know, the way you view our government and our history of treating people and even whatever. I, I'm doing everything I can to not go on a belligerent rant. I understand about a lot of things. <laughs> so, I know you. It's the Mauritanian. I'll say that. Okay. We'll go watch it. <laughs> yep. Sure. So stay tuned next week. We're going to do one more boxing film that's unrelated to Rocky or Creed. Instead, it's based on a real fighter and it's called The Fighter with Mark Wahlberg, Christian Bale, directed by David O. Russell. I think this is our first David O. Russell film. And so that'll be fun. There's a lot of things David O. Russell does in his filmmaking that I always think about a lot whenever I think about making my own stuff. And so it'll be fun to kind of take a peek at that. And so, yeah, stay tuned next week, The Fighter. And then we'll also be doing a bonus episode for our, our patronites that will look at Rocky and Creed and The Fighter. And we'll kind of see what's what about all three of those films. Don't forget, subscribe, review us on iTunes. Shout out to all of our Patreon subscribers. You know, we really appreciate you. We're effectively paying for the hosting, I think, at this point with your your donation so thank you so much that means a lot to me <laughs> and Amazing. todd and it, you know thank you for being part of our tribe if you want to comment on this episode or request that we do something you can do that at the pestlepodcast.com slash creed and our quote of the day that we'll leave you with is from muhammad ali he who is not courageous enough to take risks will accomplish nothing in life it's it's so Man, it's like, boom, spot on. Absolutely. And it's so it's so easy to say that. And it's so hard to do it in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, you, you spend your your life trying to make money and then you the thought of spending it on something betting on yourself. Like, you know, that's just one example. You know, there's a million of them, but that's true. You only live once. I mean, YOLO is a thing. Yeah. It, it really is a thing. And it's not just a, a Gen Y thing. It is a legitimate, you know, something that I wish would have been a saying when I was younger, even though I did take risks. Yeah. I take fewer now and I, I should take more. So this is a really good thing for me to see right now. Yeah, it's, it's funny because on the one hand, you maybe don't put anything in the pot that you're not willing to lose or that you can't or that you can't lose and so at the end of the day we're one way or the other we're all responsible for our lives and our the risks we take or the risks we don't like and i am i just have such a high tolerance for risk it's mm -hmm. it's absurd you know i also take my my lumps on the on the face but todd you know is is got his hand on the back of my neck and he's tapping four <laughs> while the ref is putting mm -hmm. four fingers up. You I know? got you, big guy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so I got you. be courageous, take risk for us. What, what are we doing here? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's it. I mean, I, yeah. I could add so much to that. I, we could do a whole episode on that. <laughs> we maybe, really we'll do, maybe we'll do a, a short, a short episode for our patrons on cool. just our thoughts on that quote right <laughs> yeah. there. I feel like, uh, uh, you know, Elon Musk would be proud. 
anyway yeah like wes said thank you so much for joining us join us next week we'll be covering the fighter thank you so much to all our patrons it's a it's a big thing that we can actually pay for that you don't even understand so thank you for joining us and i hope you enjoyed the episode until next week i am todd i'm wes go watch the movies Thank you.